Hi, my name is Preston, and welcome to St. Peter's Fireside's online service. We're so excited that you decided to spend some time to worship God with us today, to hear his word, and to enter into his story together with us. Uh, today we are continuing in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 1, and we're introduced to a new character in God's story of salvation as Luke is unfolding it for us. We're introduced to a young girl named Mary, and we listen in on Mary receiving news that will change her life forever. Now, when we finish with Mary's story later on, I'll have you consider a question. What kind of news is it? Is it good news? Is it bad news? Is it fake news? You'll need to ponder that for yourself. But first, let's pray together. Living God, we come before you today and thank you for the gift of the Gospel of Luke. Thank you for the story of your coming into the world and redeeming it. And we ask, God, as we open up your word again today and encounter your story, that we may see our own lives, our own stories, in light of your redemption of the world. You open our eyes, each of us, each one hearing, whether today or another day, to see where you are moving in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, now and speak afresh. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, here is Mary's story. It's the sixth month since Elizabeth has conceived. Remember, her husband, Zechariah, the priest, had gone home from the temple in Jerusalem after the angel Gabriel had met him and promised him a son who he would name John. Zechariah, the priest, responded with doubt in his heart, with unbelief, and now he was mute until the child would be born. So he went home, and Elizabeth did indeed conceive a child, and she hid herself for five months. We're not exactly sure why that she kept it a secret from her family and friends for this long, for those five months. But for whatever reason, now it's the sixth month. Elizabeth is rounding the corner and heading into her third trimester. She's ready to start telling her friends and her family about the coming baby. She's ready for someone else to put their hands on her tummy and feel those kicks. Something else is also going on in the heavenly courts. God summons Gabriel, his divine messenger, again. Gabriel must have been surprised by the assignment when God directs him to go find a young girl in Galilee. Galilee? You want me to go to Galilee? Well, God, the temple in Jerusalem, well, that made sense. That was where angels are meant to show up and appear by the altar of incense at the hour of prayers. Yes, absolutely. Let's have me step from behind the curtain and speak to Zechariah, the priest of Israel, in the temple. But Galilee? You mean the countryside up by the lake? You want me to go there to the little town of Nazareth? That's not so fitting of a place for me to show up as the temple in Jerusalem. You realize that, right? There's not much going on in Nazareth. But Gabriel follows his divine orders and sets off for Nazareth, about 14 miles from the Sea of Galilee, a town of maybe 5,000 people. And he goes in search of the young girl, a virgin named Mary. 
And I'll be honest, at this point in the story, that's all we know about her. She's a young girl, she's a virgin, her name is Mary. Well, except that she's betrothed to be married, we know that too. And this is who Gabriel is sent to find on his second trip to Judea in six months. On his first trip, he sought out Zechariah. And Zechariah got quite an introduction, didn't he? A priest of the division of Abijah, married to Elizabeth, who herself was a daughter of Aaron, righteous before God, walking blamelessly before him, serving in the temple. But Mary, not so much. She doesn't get quite this introduction. We know her name is Mary. She's a young girl, likely 13 or so, living out in the country in Nazareth. And in fact, God has a message of even greater importance for the young girl living out in the country than he did for the priest in the temple. And the young girl living out in the country happens to respond to God's message and his messenger very differently from the priest in the temple too. Mary is going about her daily business, maybe fetching water from the well, maybe in her house, maybe she's going for a walk in the field. Wherever she is, Gabriel uses his divine messenger skills and finds her and greets her. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary is surprised, unsure, troubled even. Who is this messenger? And what is he talking about? What does he mean, O favored one? How am I favored? I'm a young girl living in Nazareth. And why is he saying the Lord is with me? You know, that's what people say about the great heroes of our faith, about Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, or Moses, but not regular people like me. But Gabriel goes on and assures her, don't worry, Mary, don't worry. You don't have to be afraid. You are delighted in by God, Mary. And God is a surprise for you. You're going to have a baby. And you're going to name him Jesus. But there's more, Mary. Wait, there's more. Your son will be great. And he will be called Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary is stunned, trying to take it all in. So many questions are racing through her mind. She has so few answers. God is delighted in me? And I'm going to have a baby? And this angel from God just told me the boy's name? But I'm a girl. Fathers are the ones who are meant to give a boy his name. Everyone knows that. Why me? And the name Jesus, which of course means Yahweh saves, God saves. Should I make something of that? And then if I'm hearing it right, it sounds like my little boy, the one that I just found out about, is going to be a king? He'll be called son of the most high God? Well, okay. I can figure that one out, maybe. I mean, it's far-fetched for sure, but 
I remember hearing back in the synagogue readings the other week that in King David's day, King David was sometimes called son of the Most High because he was king. And Joseph, my husband-to-be, is linked to that house. Not that I've thought much about that to this point, but maybe that matters? Okay, so maybe it's like this. When we get married, I could have a baby with Joseph and name him Jesus, and he could become some sort of king? But what about the part about him ruling forever? His kingdom will never end? That means my boy would have to become a ruler. He'd have to overthrow the Romans. He'd have to set up a new kingdom in Israel. Is that what this news is about? And am I meant to be the mother of a king? But he'd first have to be a rebel, and he'd have to build an army, and he'd have to lead a revolution, and he'd have to kill a lot of people. And I'm not so sure about the sound of that. Okay, let's not get ahead of yourself, Mary. This is a lot. Let's just find out a little bit more. Okay, I'll ask him one simple question. How will this happen? Since I am still a virgin. Gabriel senses something different in Mary than he had in Zechariah six months ago. He notices something different in her posture her trust in the news. It's different. The priest in the temple didn't believe the news that his elderly wife, Elizabeth, would become pregnant. But this young girl in the country, she seems to believe. She doesn't get what it all means, but she doesn't need to. She believes in God. She trusts him. Zechariah, he was questioning, skeptical. How will I know? But Mary, she's receptive and curious. How will this happen? Tell me more. Well, Gabriel does. He does. He entertains her curiosity. He keeps talking. He fills in the picture a little bit more for her. Gabriel answers Mary's question and gives Mary a sign that God is in this. Mary. You don't have to figure this one all out. Trust me. God will act. Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the glory of the Most High God will overshadow you. And the child, the child will be called Holy, the Son of God. This is something different from the news Gabriel brought to Zechariah. It's very different. And Gabriel knew this. He told Zechariah that his wife, Elizabeth, will bear him a son and they will name him John by the normal means of bearing a son. But to Mary, this is less clear. It's harder to explain. She is a virgin, not yet married. The explanation Zechariah gets at at least fits within the ballpark of human understanding. It is very unlikely for an elderly woman to conceive, but okay, maybe. But the explanation Mary gets is very different. There is no category in human understanding for this one. It's all God doing something only God can do. The explanation is only God moving in power. The how that Mary gets is the Holy Spirit taking over 
and the Creator working an act of creation in Mary's inner being, an act of creation unlike any other. The only thing even close to this was the first act, when God breathed his spirit into dirt and made mankind. But now, it's not dirt that is the raw material of creation. It's Mary. And it is not the image of God being created, as was with Adam and Eve, but a child who will be called holy, a child who is the very Son of God. But this is different from David being the Son of God because he was king, a title he inherited at coronation. No, Jesus will be the Son of God from his conception, and even from before the beginning. This child is holy, is God's Son right from the start. God is doing something new in the story, and it's all going to start in Mary. Well, Gabriel noted the bewildered look on Mary's face. He knew this was a lot for her to take in. So he gives her some news that, let's be honest, really wasn't his to share. It was Elizabeth's news. After all, she'd waited so many years to conceive, and now she's waited five months without telling, telling anyone. I'm sure Elizabeth was ready to tell somebody about the little baby in her tummy. But Gabriel goes and does it. He bridges the parallel conversations he's been having with the two families, with Elizabeth and Zachariah over here, and with Mary over here. And he announces the miracle going on in Elizabeth to Mary. Mary, one more thing. Your cousin, Elizabeth, she's pregnant too. You haven't heard from her in a few months, have you? Well, you know how old she is. You know how everyone has thought she was barren. But she's pregnant. She's six months pregnant, in fact. Mary, the barren has conceived. And the virgin will conceive. Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Gabriel stops. He's done. He's given any one human more of God's plans than they can take for a day. How will this young girl take it all in now that he's laid it all out before her? And Mary's mind is racing. There are still so many unanswered questions. There's still so many things unclear. One thing is clear, though. Everything in her life is about to change. Her and Joseph are betrothed to be married. What about her hopes and desires for their family? Those aren't going to fit quite the same if she's going to be the mother of a king, the mother of God's son, whatever exactly that's all going to turn out to mean. And what about her pregnancy? Who will believe her when she starts showing? Will Joseph even? Why would he? Will they even get married after all of this or will Joseph call it off? What will everyone else say about Mary? Life for a young girl living in the country, pregnant outside of marriage, is not very promising. But with all of the lingering questions, and with all of the uncertainties hanging in the air, Mary looks back at Gabriel with resolve in her eyes. Yes, I am a servant of the Lord. 
Let it be unto me according to your word. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. When Mary faces news of everything changing, she first remembers who she is before God. She knows what matters most. I am a servant of the Lord. I belong to God. And nothing can take that away from me. A servant in God's house. Not first a Jew. Not first a Galilean. Or a woman. Or Joseph's betrothed bride. First, Mary belongs to the household of God. And she knows it. She knows it in her inner being. And because of this, she can look into the unknown, terrifying future in the face and say, let it be unto me, according to your word, God. Okay, Gabriel, if that's God's plan, let it be so. I'm in. Let's do this. See, if Mary didn't live out of this God-centered reality, she would have brought all sorts of objections to Gabriel. She would have fought tooth and nail for her vision of the future, for her word to be the final word, instead of God's. What about my marriage? What about my reputation? What about my pregnancy? What about my plans? But that's not Mary. She doesn't fight this fight. She receives with strong, open hands the commissioning God has given her in his story of salvation. And it is a remarkable role. She will be the mother of Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. It's remarkable. But we have to be careful not to glamorize Mary's part in the story either. Because Mary's story is a story of sacrifice and suffering. When her young boy, Jesus, at the age of 10, distances himself from her and Joseph at the temple. When her grown son, Jesus, is ministering to the crowds and her and her other sons see Jesus and they want to talk to him. And he responds, my mother and my brothers are those who do the will of God. It's enough to upset any mother, no matter how holy she is. And kneeling, weeping at the foot of a Roman cross, watching her baby boy Jesus die of torture in the most disgraceful way imaginable. I wonder what her prayer was on that day. God, really? Is this what it looks like to be favored? For you to be with me? When you sent that angel to me so many years ago, did you really plan for the story to end this way? Is this what you meant by my son being a king? Ruling forever? Delivering the people? God, really? Let's be honest. A quiet life in the country, raising her children with Joseph, would have been much more comfortable, stable, predictable than what unfolds when Mary becomes a part of God's plan. Which one would you choose? So when the young girl Mary 
And Dusty Galilee looks at Gabriel and affirms her identity in God and surrenders her life story into God's life story. Things don't get easier for her. Mary and the other early Christians, they had this advantage over us. They didn't expect things to get easier. They surrendered to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord because they believed in the resurrection. They couldn't deny it because they experienced the power of the Spirit and were compelled by the kingdom of God vision of the world being turned upside down from what it looked like around them, bloodthirsty, vicious, self-glorifying Rome. Paul later gives voice to this. He tells the Philippians that his main goal, his whole aim in life is to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, many of us, many of you have the expectation somewhere inside you that if you live the Christian life and follow Jesus, life is going to turn out generally well for you. If you do your part, God will do his. He'll honor your hopes and dreams and plans. You may not say it like that, but think about it. This is broadly taught in many churches today. But this is not the promise God gives you. It's not the promise God gave Mary. See, God does promise a new life, spirit life that never ends. God does promise a new family, the church, the people of God that never ends. And God does promise a new home, the restoration of heaven and earth and an eternal kingdom, the kingdom of God where Jesus is king that never ends. Well, this is the end of Mary's story. And here's the question I asked back at the beginning. What sort of news is it that Gabriel brought to Mary? The news that changed her life forever. It's news that disrupts her plans, brings her suffering, and bids her to the foot of a cross. And it's also news that invites her to play a specific, meaningful role in God's salvation story of the world. News that gives her not only a son, but also a savior. News that her son, the king, will indeed rule forever and bring all things to their right and true end. So what kind of news is it? Was it good news? Was it bad news? Was it fake news? You'll need to ponder that for yourself. Because the same news that came to Mary has come to you too. Mary's invitation is your invitation. Will you join in the redemptive plan of God? A path that bids you to live in the shadow of the cross? For the sake of the world, for the life of the world around you? Mary replied, yes. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. How about you?